So uh, this last week, I've been studying, working through, praying, reflecting on Luke's gospel. And as I've been studying, I've been find myself comforted and convicted, find myself being urged to rejoice and urged to repent. I've been reading Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 46 to 55. We heard a few mentions of it this morning about Mary's song after she uh, met with Elizabeth. See, Mary had just come in the sixth month, if we've heard it. uh, She came to the sixth month to her cousin Elizabeth, who was having a child. Elizabeth would have a son. His name would be John, and they would call him the baptizer. And when Mary arrived, she had a child too, who we call Jesus, our Lord and Savior. When she arrived, the child moved in Elizabeth's womb or leapt in Elizabeth's womb. And she said, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And it's after that moment that I think Mary had this realization, this new sense, this new reality that the child in her was going to be the Messiah, was going to be this Savior. And they were going to call him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And so she has this realization, and then she, she says these words. And if you want to, you can look uh, this white sheet in your bulletin, or you can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as He said to our fathers. And I have to be honest, reading this passage is complicated for me. At first, I rejoice with Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in the God of my salvation. God has done great things for me. And sometimes I can relate to her in her humility and the way she comes to God and and recognizes God as her Savior. That God has redeemed her and saved her. I, I get that. I understand that. Sometimes I feel that deeply. But then she says this part about he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He has scattered the proud. He has pulled down the powerful from their throne and he has sent the rich away empty. And I feel convicted. I feel convicted by that. Because I am at times proud. And I am part of the powerful. As a white, well-educated, middle-class man, having grown up in North America, all the privileges that come with that, I am powerful. And I'm rich. No, I don't really like to say that. I like to think of myself as just barely scraping by, but I'm rich. I've got a home and a car. My kids have plenty of clothes. We never have to worry about how much food we have to eat. There's a study that if you, have, if you make over 30000 a year, 
you are richer than 95% of the rest of the world. Of the 7 billion people on earth, 95% of them, we are richer than they are. And I'm convicted because I hear Mary talking about the rich and the powerful. And I realize that she's talking about me. At one point, I am comforted by her words. And I'm convicted. I rejoice alongside with her. Praise God, the Lord of my salvation. And then I need, I'm led to repentance. Lord, forgive me. Do any of you feel this as you read the Word of God? Do any of you, I don't know, even just reading it this morning, do you, any of you hear that? That tension? Feeling comforted and convicted? Feeling like you're going to rejoice at one moment and then repent at the next? Hear this dual message of comfort and conviction. This dual message of hope and honesty. Of salvation and prophetic warning all crammed together. Does anybody feel that as you read the Word of God? Listen to this. Well, let's look into this passage some more. Um, Let me just read this first part. This is the part that I love. I begin praising with her. It says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And along with Mary, my soul rejoices. My spirit rejoices in the God of my salvation. I can relate to that part. And I imagine most of us can relate that. We start thinking about what God has done in our lives. God has done great things in our lives. The salvation that we've received. The salvation we've received that despite our sinfulness and brokenness, God has made us right with him through his son. Not only that, but he's given us an eternal hope. A hope that begins the moment we believe into him. That life doesn't just end when we die, but we go on living forever with our Lord and Savior. We have amazing hope in this. Not only that, but Jesus is Lord and Savior. He affects our lives the way we live right now. Sometimes I think about what my life might look like if I weren't following Jesus. And it's scary for me. I see people around me trying to do it all the time. And I see the way, the difficult way they try to make it through life, the ways they try to make meaning out of things that don't have meaning. Or the things they try to use to medicate the pain or the emptiness they feel. So I'm grateful and I rejoice with Mary. God has done great things for me. God has redeemed me, made me right with him. He redeemed my, uh, me and, and put this family around me, this, my, my wife and my sons and this church family. And I'm grateful and I praise God all the time for that. So I begin with Mary and I rejoice. But then I hear her speaking. She says, that God has done mighty things with his arm. He has scattered the proud. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He has sent the rich away empty. And I want to say this. Mixed in those verses, he also says, he has lifted up the humble. Those who are hungry, he has filled with good things. And I want to say this first this morning. If you are here this morning and you feel like you've been humbled, if you feel like life has been holding you down, then I want you to rejoice. 
I want you to hear this good news that Mary speaks about God, that he lifts up the humble, that he fills the hungry, whether you're hungry literally for food because you don't have enough, or if you're hungry for for God in your life or for God's fullness in your life, if these are the things you're hungry for, God will fill you with good things. Rejoice in that. Some of you, and I, I don't know exactly where all of you are at. If you are in that place where you feel like, I have been just held down. My heart is broken and I need help. I pray that you hear those verses. But for the rest of us, and I am including me in this, I pray that these words also lead us to repentance. Scattering the proud. Pulling down the powerful. Sending the rich away empty. I pray these words confront us. Convict us. And that that conviction leads to repentance. See, the thing is, we are wealthy. Like I said, we are the wealthiest 95% of people in the world. And I know you. I know actually most of you really well. And you are faithful people. You're honest and hardworking people. And I know many of you intentionally try to help people. I do the same. But I still feel conviction here. Because I am a part of the wealthy, powerful middle class of North America. We are. And, you know, there are people who are richer than us, for sure. There are people who have way more political power than we do, for sure. But there's still power in us. We still have lots of power as members of the middle class. We have power in the way we vote. We have power in the ways that we spend our dollars. There's great power in that. The things we vote for, do they help just us? Or do we only care about our taxes? Or do we care about how we as a society care for the broken, for the lost, for the least? Do we care about justice and what's right, even if it costs us more? What about the way we shop? This is the one of the most convicting for me. I have no idea who made this sweater. I don't know if it was a woman who was paid a fair wage for her work so she could feed her family, or if it was made by a child in slave-like conditions. Lord God, please forgive me. Or the food that we buy. The food that we buy. Did it come from a person who was paid a fair wage so they could, uh, they could have their family pay for school or for clothes or for food for their family? Or was it some foreign country where we don't have any idea if they were just working to make a dollar a day? The way we spend money matters. See, it's interesting. I don't know how you hear these words from, from Mary, but I hear it as rejoice. Our Lord and our Savior has come, but also I feel conviction too. I want to challenge us too to not be resistant to the conviction, to not deny it or try to downplay it. That's pride. That's pride in us. No, it's not me. It's somebody else. See, we're tempted to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that proud. I'm tempted to say I'm actually one of the most humble people I know. 
That's a joke. (laughs) Not a good one. (laughs) We're tempted to say that I'm not powerful, it's all those other people. We're tempted to say that I'm not rich, it's the people who make more than me. They're the rich ones. And yet I hear the word of God convicting me at least. And I, as a community, as followers around Jesus, I think convicting us, confronting us. But here's the thing I want to make this distinction. I don't think God has a problem with us being powerful or wealthy. I think both of those are a blessing. And let me explain. Because we were born in North America. Many of you were born in Canada. I was born in the U.S., I had amazing privilege just by being white and being born in North America. I had nothing. I didn't earn that. There was nothing I did that earned that. It was God's blessing. I have an education. I have parents who helped pay for that, who had good jobs. And then I was able myself to get good jobs and pay for more education. So that's God's blessing. But I also worked hard at it too. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being powerful or wealthy. The problem is, the problem is when we use our wealth and our power to build our kingdom rather than God's kingdom. That's the problem. That's the problem I feel in me. To use what God has done, the blessing that God has given me, the the tools that God has given me, the work that I've used to bless just me, to grow Jason's little kingdom rather than growing God's kingdom. That's the part that I feel convicted of. That's the part where Mary, this teenage girl, from 2,000 years ago in this tiny little place of Galilee, she speaks prophetically and confronts me. Do any of you feel this as you read Mary's song or hear Mary's song? The question is, what do we do with this, right? Right? If we're feeling confronted and comforted, if we're feeling like we need to rejoice because our Lord and Savior is born and also uh, uh, repent because of the ways that we abuse our power and our wealth, what do we do with that, right? Do we just ignore it? Do we just put it at the back of our mind and go shopping one more time today? (laughs) Do we deny it? Say, it's not me, it must be somebody else. Or do we work through it? Do we let the Holy Spirit work in us to work through it. It's one of the things I love about this passage. Not only does he have great news that will be for all people, but it also convicts me, convicts us, confronts us. But it also gives a way to work through it. And (laughs) I've been trying to think of something more creative, but this is the best I got. It's these four R's of discipleship. Four R's. (laughs) That's all I could come up with. Sorry. But I hope that that helps you to remember it. Four R's. And the first is to read this passage. To read Mary's song over and over this week. To spend time in it. To chew on the words. Chew on the words that encourage you and give you hope and remind us of our salvation and our Lord Jesus Christ. Chew on those words. Chew on the words that are confusing to us. Lord, why are you saying this? Or what do you mean by this? Spend time in those words. Chew on the words that convict us. These are the ones that we want to skip over. Believe me, I know. Chew on these words too. Let the Holy Spirit work in us. Immerse ourselves. Immerse yourselves into the scriptures. As Mary sings this song, 
I hear echoes of covenants, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant at Sinai, the covenant with David, the new covenant that the prophets spoke about. I hear these great stories of Israel gathered up, the story of Exodus and kings, the stories of exile and prophets. I hear all this coming out, echoing, rattling around as as Mary sings this song. Spend time reading the Word. Let the Word of God shape us. Let the Word of God cause us to rejoice. Let the Word of God cause us to be convicted or to, to repent. That's the first R, is read. Next one isn't writing <laughs> or arithmetic. The next one is rejoice. Read these words in this week as we come, as we begin to celebrate or continue celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus. Read these words and rejoice. Mary is speaking of great news for us that her son, Jesus, will bring salvation. That Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives. The one who has saved us from our sin and given us hope of heaven when we die. But also the Lord who guides our lives, who leads us into life more full. Not just getting by, paying bills, going day to day, but actually life more full, filled with God's Spirit. Hope and joy. Begin by rejoicing. Read these words and then rejoice. But then also, also repent. Read these words and let the Holy Spirit convict us and lead us to repentance. And I know this is the part that's hardest for us. If you're like me, you're proud. (laughs) I don't want to repent, Lord. I want to keep believing I didn't do anything wrong. I want to keep believing the way I live is just fine. But let the Holy Spirit convict us. Let the Holy Spirit convict us and cause us to repent. Repent because of the times that we are proud and refuse to follow God or to acknowledge our own sinfulness. Let the Holy Spirit convict us and realize the ways that we have power and the ways that we abuse it or the ways that we use it just for our kingdom rather than God's kingdom. Let God convict us that we repent of the ways we use our wealth for our kingdom rather than God's. I know we're going to be tempted to say it's not me. It's, it's, it's those other 4% of the 7, million people that God's talk, or 7 billion people that God's talking about. Not me and the other 95% below me, but it's only those, that 4%. We're tempted to do that. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing to think about it, but I think most of us, I know most of us, we are grateful for what God has done, but we still kind of tend to think of ourselves as kind of, I don't know, uh, like we need more money. Like I need just a little bit more, God. My house isn't quite as big as my neighbor's, and my car's not quite as new. I do the same thing. But we have brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, who live in other parts of the world who get by on a dollar or two a day. We are rich. And I want to make this point again. Not that we need to repent for being powerful or wealthy. I think those are blessings from God and and for all of us, for many of us, a part of our hard work too. But we need to repent when we use that to build only our kingdom rather than God's kingdom. 
I see it in my own life. God, you get this little bit, but the rest I'm keeping for me. This is the part that we need to repent of. Or the ways that I use my power to get myself further ahead rather than helping others get ahead in God's kingdom. So I hear God saying, read the word of God. The first R, read. And rejoice. Rejoice in this good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But also repent. Repent for the ways that we abuse our power and wealth. But finally, the fourth R is respond. Respond to what God is doing in us. See, that's the thing. We resist conviction and repentance, but it's what sets us free. It's what moves everything between us and God. It moves it all away and restores us to a right relationship with our Father in heaven. Repent. Lord, please forgive me. I don't want to do this. Help me live the way you want me to. Lord, show me the ways you want to put my kingdom second to your kingdom. Show me where you want me to to grow your kingdom. Show me where you want me to, to rather than be proud, to be humble, to bless others. Show me the places where rather than using my power for my sake, you want me to use it to bless my neighbor, to stand up for them, stand up for those who are on the margins or who are cast outside. Lord, show me where you want me to use my wealth or the wealth that you've given me to bless others, to help my neighbor, to help my friend down the road who who needs help actually buying groceries this week. Lord, work in me to do this. Work in me to to lift up those who are humbled, those who've been broken by this world, who've been trampled on, who've been abused, who've been hurt. Help me to bless them. For those who are hungry, whether it's hungry for food, are hungry for basic needs, or hungry for more of God in our lives. Help me to fill them with good things. Lord, use us for the sake of your kingdom. This is how the repentance works in us. I hear Mary's words, and I am, I am comforted. At the same time, I'm convicted. This week, I know it's in a few days, we're going to be celebrating Jesus' birthday. Our family's going to be gathered around There's going to be a a Christmas Eve candlelight service here. It's a great time of celebrating. A great time of loving our friends and our neighbors. And I'm I'm grateful for that. Rejoice in what Jesus has done. But I also pray that we listen to these words of Mary. That we let her confront us. We let the Holy Spirit convict us. Lead us to repentance. And that leads to a response. So this is the one thing I want you to do this week. Live these four R's. Read the word of God. Rejoice in what God has done. Then repent. Let the Holy Spirit confront us and repent. And then respond. Respond by growing God's kingdom in some tangible way this week. I can't wait to hear how God will work through you. I can't wait to hear how these, sorry, uncreative four R's (laughs) will work out in your lives this week or the weeks to come. You are faithful people. I know how much, how many, how many, uh, how much most of you love Jesus. I know how you love him, how you desire to see God's kingdom grow, and I can't wait to see how he will use you. Amen.